is the Adoptive Mom Podcast. Adoption may look different for each family, but we need solidarity from other crazy people who took this leap. And that is what we do here. We encourage, we build up, we share the wins and losses. We lean on each other and we get through this together. Thanks for joining us. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of AMP Plus, the show usually reserved just for the amazing Team AMP. I love them so much, in case you guys didn't know, and I'm so grateful to be partnering with them to bring the Adoptive Mom podcast to life. This week, I'm shaking things up and offering yet another bonus episode for every AMP listener because it's Christmas, and also because, full transparency, I hope that more of you join our ranks. I love putting out the premium content every week, and I really feel like it's a good deal they're getting. I mean, a new five-day Bible study guide every single week and an extra show every week as well for $5? Come on. Join us at patreon.com slash theadoptivemom from here on out. But for now, just enjoy this free bonus episode. This is the second week of our break from the main show and the third week of our Advent study leading up to Christmas. Technically, the last episode of the Advent study will happen after Christmas, but that's cool with y'all, right? Right. Before we jump in, you guys know I have to remind you about the contests we have going on right now over on the Patreon side of things. First of all, I'm giving away a free download of Truth in the Tinsel, a children's study of Advent by Amanda White to every single one of you who share about your experience of being on Team AMP on social media. I would love to see Team AMP grow more in the coming season, and you can help with that by simply posting a link to patreon.com slash the adoptive mom, along with a few words about what you've enjoyed about being a part. Secondly, I'm giving an Amazon gift card to one of you who fills out the listener survey at the adoptive mom slash survey and the Patreon supporter survey found in your Patreon feed. This also makes you eligible for the listener survey giveaway of a free Warrior Mom shirt so you could win both prizes just for taking a few minutes to help me out in the coming season. I'll do that drawing on New Year's Eve. So, okay, let's get into our topic today. As always, I want to encourage you to download the five-day Bible study guide from this week as it goes along with the episode today. So far in the Advent study, we have studied the adoptions of Moses and Esther in comparison with Jesus's, and today we're going to dive deeper into the adoption of Jesus himself. If we want to categorize his adoption in today's terms, it would be a step-parent adoption, which is actually a topic we've never covered on the main show. So I'm pretty stoked to start with the best example there is. First of all, let's talk about this super cool genealogy thing. So the Bible has two different genealogies of Jesus, one in Matthew and one in Luke. You're welcome for not making you read each of those in five different translations for the Bible study this week. I think it's important to briefly cover the different tones of the gospel here, though. The gospels of Mark and John do not cover the birth of Jesus, but it's fun to talk about them as well. Mark was written by John Mark, who was not one of the 12 disciples, but was that guy that Paul and Barnabas fought over or, quote, sharply disputed about in Acts. He was also probably the first to write his gospel. John was, of course, the beloved disciple. His gospel was commonly believed to have been written some like 50-ish years after walking with Jesus, and he's famously more artistic and storytelling focused than the others. 
Matthew was also a disciple, and he was the one who was a tax collector. His gospel focuses heavily on tethering the Old and New Testaments, prophecy and fact-giving. Fact-giving. Luke was a physician and was also the writer of Acts. One of my favorite things about Luke is that he doesn't try to take credit for his part in any ministry, although it's clear that he was along for the ride on parts of Peter's and Paul's ministries by his use of first-person pronouns when he was present in the story. He also writes like you would imagine a physician to write, which is fact-based, to the point, and overview-giving. There's a part of me that wishes that John had written a Christmas story in his gospel, because can you just imagine the details we would have been given? Um, I have so many questions and plot holes that John surely would have filled in. But alas, Matthew and Luke are our people for this story. Uh, Okay, back to the genealogy thing. Sticking with his general tone of traditional writing and prophecy and Jewish law, Matthew provides us with a detailed hereditary line from Jesus's adoptive father, Joseph starting with Abraham. He includes the interesting detail that there were 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile, which we talked about last week in Esther, and from 14 from the exile to Joseph. God is so cool, you guys. There has been confusion between Matthew and Luke's accounts as they are the same up to David, and then they look completely different. The confusion comes because of Luke's wording. We'll talk about that in a minute. He says that... um, Jesus, son of Joseph, came from dot, dot, dot. And then he starts in on the genealogy. Working his way backwards from Jesus um, instead of forwards as Matthew did. There are a few proposed reasons of this differing of family lines, but the one that is most commonly held to be true is that Luke's line is actually Mary's. So again, if you look back at Luke's wording, he includes that Jesus is fathered by Joseph, but then says that he is a descendant of Heli who would have been Mary's father, and then goes all the way back to Adam. The family lines look the exact same until David, where they split, one going Solomon's line and the other going to Nathan, another son of David. The prophecy stated that the Messiah would come from David, and these two genealogies make it true, no matter how you look at it. As a big fan of trivia and interesting facts, this is one of my favorite parts of the Christmas story, um, that God would work down to the very last detail. Ah, So cool. Okay. So the theme of the rest of Jesus's adoption story specifically to me is character, Joseph's character in particular. I've broken it down into three different time periods that I want us to look at before Jesus's birth, during Jesus's birth, and after. I'm sure that most or all of you listening are familiar with the nativity story, but here's a very abridged version just in case. So Mary was a teenage Jewish girl who was betrothed to a Jewish man named Joseph. The whole Jewish nation had been anxiously awaiting the arrival of the Messiah or Savior of the Jewish people. Some, some, um, they all believed this was someone that they all believed to be a military or political leader coming to save the nation in a grander, more obvious at the time way. It had been prophesied that the Messiah would be born of a virgin and come from Bethlehem, the city of King David, who was prophesied to be his ancestor. So an angel came one night to Mary and told her that she was to mother the Messiah. She was, of course, a virgin. So this put her in a difficult spot in those days where having extramarital sex, especially adultery, was against the law. God worked all of that out, as we will see coming up, and Jesus was born in Bethlehem to Mary and Joseph in a barn, stable, or cave. We're not entirely certain. 
So we've studied Mary's versions of events in weeks past of our Advent study, but this week we're going to look at Joseph specifically. So Joseph and Mary were basically engaged, but they took engagement to a whole new level back then, like dowries had been given, promises had been made, etc. They were in a legally binding agreement that they couldn't get out of without an official parting of ways or divorce, as we would call it now. So um, something cool that I learned in my research is that Joseph was in a way, um, he was in way more of a pickle than we would think just casually reading the biblical text. His choices were not simply to stay with her or leave her. He could have had her stoned for adultery, so that was one option. He could have stayed with her, but that one is complicated too. In those times, if word about her supposed promiscuity had gotten out, Joseph would be on the hook for aiding and abetting an adulterer, and he could have been in big trouble with the Jewish law. So he chose option C, to legally divorce her quietly to protect them both, which shows how much he cared about her, sure, but it mainly shows how great his character is, because remember, he made these decisions before the angel came to tell him about her virgin pregnancy and that it was the real deal. So he legit thought that she broke their marriage vow and got pregnant with another dude, and he still made those decisions. So then the angel comes to him in a dream and tells him the most crazy story he had ever heard, for sure, that this baby was to be the Messiah they'd been waiting for, and that Mary really was pregnant via God. I imagine that Joseph heard all of these things, and there was music playing and a big crescendo leading up to the final whammy of, and God wants you to stay with her and treat this Christ as your own son. The music fades, and Joseph just stands there staring. He looks side to side, like maybe someone else was standing there, and then it's like, wait, what? It probably happened that way. Let's just roll with it. So now he had a decision to make. He labored so hard over the first decision, and now some angel has come and made it more complicated for him, and he has more emotional work to do. Ultimately, we learn that he chooses to listen to God and stay with Mary. And we've all been there, right? I mean, none of us have been there, but you catch my drift. We've all been through something where we felt like we were being asked to put aside our emotions and feelings and follow God anyway. I mean, that's like what we do like every day with these kids of ours, right? We take something that is not natural or biological and treat it as if it were. And sometimes God is gracious to give us maternal or paternal love for our kids. And sometimes that love has to look very different. I believe that Joseph's love did end up being paternal love as we understand it. And we find out why later as we look at Joseph, Joseph's character after Jesus's birth. But first, let's look at his character during Jesus's birth. So there was a census in the land under a new ruler that called for everyone to go to the hometown of their family, which for Mary and Joseph was Bethlehem. The text kind of glosses over this part in the Bible, but reading between the lines, we know that, again, this was probably both of their hometown, but certainly Joseph's, meaning that he would have family there who would be the people to put them up as travelers. But remember, um, they weren't married yet. And therefore, they wouldn't have had sex yet. And yet there was Mary, probably around like, what, eight months pregnant? Clearly, Joseph's family were not super into this story from the angel where Mary really was still a virgin and this was actually the Messiah they'd been waiting for. Uh, the story is usually told inferring that the inn, where there is no room, was like a traditional hotel. But um, remember the time period. There were no hotels. This was probably actually referring to the guest house of a relative. So if there were limited beds for all these people, 
who would generally for sure be getting a bed? The pregnant lady. But apparently not the adultering pregnant lady. No, she and her adultering fiance could stay in the barn or stable or cave. So yet again, I'm sure Joseph was in a situation where with all this peer pressure he was getting, he was in a tough spot. He could have stepped back and been like, I didn't sin, not my problem. He could have thrown Mary under the bus and saved his reputation over and over again. Heck, he could have simply not gone to Bethlehem. But he had great character, remember? He was a good Jewish man who followed the law. He was a kind fiancé who loved Mary and stuck by her. He somehow cared about this baby with whom he had no biological connection, Um, although, remember, he was from David too, so they were probably like distant cousins. He was a good dude, it seems. Um, What an amazing example God gives us of an adoption in the most important story involving the most, most important person in history. So Jesus was born, and there was animal poop and dirty hay and a feeding trough and shepherds, a.k.a. unclean by Jewish standards around, uh, which is a whole other study of God's goodness that we will probably study next year on Team AMP. And they returned home for probably around like two years, which brings us to the part we talked about Joseph's character after Jesus's birth. So this is where the wise men come along and mess all of our beautiful nativity scenes up. And don't get me wrong, I have a historically inaccurate version on my mantle right now, but the wise men were 100% not around on that holy night. Instead, they arrived like one to two years later. We studied this in another week on bonus episodes, but basically they roll into town looking for the king they are sure is easy to find. When he wasn't, they went to the ruling king, Herod, and asked where this amazing person is. Herod doesn't know and tells the Magi to let him know when they find him. The Magi were like, um, that guy seemed pretty murdery, right? Let's go the long way back and not have to talk to him again. So when Herod realizes he's been duped, He does a very normal thing and orders that all the boys who are around the age of the Messiah would have been should be murdered. But the angel came to Moses in a dream again and said he better get his family on the lamb to avoid Jesus being murdered. So once again, Joseph was put in a situation where he had to make a hard decision. Here was this kid who he was not biologically related to. And he had to now move his entire family and his carpentry business to Egypt, which is a place that doesn't have the best track record with the Jews. But he does. Joseph clearly loves his family in a way that could only have come from God. He is he had such an important role in God's story, much like we are. Um, he entrusted he was entrusted to raise someone who God had big plans for. And sure, God doesn't have like savior of man of all mankind plans for our kids, but He has big plans for them nonetheless. And like Joseph, we get to be a part of those plans. So this Christmas season, I want us to remember that when things are so, so hard, God never promises that it will be easy. He promises that big things will come of our yes to him, though. The day I realized that I was not the main character of my kids' stories was the day that a whole bucket of grace was dumped over me and allowed me the freedom to make mistakes and to not get it perfect every time and to realize that it's not my job to be the ultimate fixer. My kids already have one of those. My job, like Joseph's, is to just say yes and allow myself to be a small part of God's bigger story for these kids he's entrusted me with. So that is going to do it for today's episode of AMP+. Next week, we're going to be looking at the last adoption that God gives us an example of in scripture, and you'll definitely want to be in on that. 
So again, head to patreon.com slash the adoptive mom where for $5 a month, you'll get four to five Bible studies and four to five bonus episodes. And for $10 a month, you'll get the bonus content from each episode with my guests and access to my monthly AUA or Ask Us Anything with a different special guest each time. And once again, that's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash The Adoptive Mom. Thank you guys so much. And I will catch some of you next week. Thank you so much for listening to The Adoptive Mom Podcast. I hope you found encouragement here. I need you to know that you are enough and you're doing a great job. We are all in this together and I am over here cheering you on. Don't forget to check out show notes for this episode and other resources at theadoptivemompodcast.com. Thanks for joining us.